Great to see you this morning. I mean this evening. Let's uh, let's uh, pray, shall we? Father, we ask now that tonight you will speak to us. Father, that you will speak to us by your Spirit through your Word, and Father, that you will change us in ways that you want to change us, that we might be the person that you have made us to be and have called us to be in Christ. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't know about you, but I never wake up in the morning and think to myself, I want to live my second best life. I never do that. I think, when I think about it at all, I think that I want to be able to get to the end of my life and look back and think, I lived my best life. Not my second best, not my third best, not my worst life, but my best life. Now, I'm kind of at the other end from most people here, so I guess many of you are thinking about the life that you have in front of you, and I doubt there's anybody here who is saying to themselves, actually, as I look forward to my life, I want to live a mediocre life. (laughs) I'm really looking forward to living the worst life that I could possibly live. We don't do that, do we? We may feel that we can't achieve our best life. We may think that there are circumstances in our life that constrict us, but I don't think any of us, if we have a choice, would say anything other than, I want to live my best life. So here's the question. Is it possible for you to live your best life? Not your second one, not your third class life, not a mediocre life, but life to the full. Is that possible? Jesus said something extraordinary in John chapter 10 and verse 10. He said, I have come that people might have life, a life to the full. Those are extraordinary words, aren't they? I have come that people might have life and life to the full. I have come, Jesus is saying, so that you can live your best life, because God never calls anybody to live a mediocre life. He never calls anybody to live a second-class life. He calls us to live life to the full. I I don't know about you, but uh, sometimes I look up at people who are great heroes, uh, people have status and so on, and, and I guess in in Bible terms, somebody like John the Baptist would be like that. Hey, John the Baptist is this extraordinary figure. It's an amazing person. He is, Jesus says, the most significant prophet of all of them. But you know what he also says? He says this. In Matthew chapter 11 and verse 11, he said, the person who is least in the kingdom of God, that is, the person who considers themselves maybe an insignificant follower of Jesus is greater than John the Baptist. Jesus does not come so that you can live your second-class life, a mediocre life. Jesus said, I came to bring life and life to the full. God wants you to live your best life, life to the full. 
And some of you are asking the question, yeah, is that really possible? I mean, it sounds so good. I mean, Jesus said it, so we've got to be cool about that, don't we? Is that really possible? Or is that another of those things where you read the Bible and you say, yeah, yeah, spiritual, deep. And then we go away and ignore it. James talks about how you can look in the mirror and then forget what you look like. Uh, I look in the mirror and I want to forget what I look like because I don't look like what I would like to look like anymore. There was a time when I used to come downstairs and, and look in front of the mirror and think, not bad. <laughs> Nobody else thought that, but I did. And now I just cover the mirror. <laughs> but James says, you can look at Scripture, you can hear what the Bible says and then just ignore it. It's John 10, 10, where Jesus says, I've come to bring life and life to the full. Is it just one of those things that we hear and then just walk away from and forget? And the answer to that is absolutely not. Here's the thing. When you respond to the call to follow Jesus Christ... It is a call to live your best life because it's the life that God made you to live. And he never, never calls anybody to live anything less than life to the full. Some of you are perhaps thinking, Sounds great, but you know Jesus said some pretty scary things, didn't he? If anybody wants to be my disciple, they must take up their cross and follow me. If you want to save your life, you've got to lose it. That really does not sound like my best life. I can think of all kinds of ways in which I could have a really exciting life, uh, but following the way of the cross doesn't sound like it. In fact, in John's Gospel, and I'd like you to flick over to John's Gospel, because we're actually going to get into John's Gospel. So if you turn over to uh, John's Gospel, and it's chapter 6, and it's page 1071. It's this amazing passage where, where Jesus has been talking about how he's the bread of life. You know, come to me, and, and I will give you um, life, and, and so on. And then at the end of that, Jesus starts to say some really uncomfortable things. And it says that some of even his disciples, some of the crowd of people who'd started to follow him, said that's really hard, and they walk away. And you may be thinking, deep down, if you're honest, actually, I am not sure that I really believe that following Jesus will lead me to live my best life. And so maybe you end up living some kind of dual life. You put on a display when you're with your Christian friends, but you live a different life out there because deep down you think that some of the things that your friends are doing and the way that they're living their life and the way that our culture tells us what it means to live your best life, actually deep down that's what you really think. But when you're in church, and when you're in a small group, and when you're with your Christian friends, you put on your Christian smile, and you nod sagely when you hear words like Jesus saying, I've come that people might have life and life to the full, and you say, Amen. 
and then you walk out into the rest of your life. Some of the people at the time of Jesus heard what he was saying and they walked away. At the beginning of chapter 7, I want you to notice this. The Jewish leaders, verse 1, were plotting to find some way to kill Jesus. These are the religious experts. They knew their Bibles. They knew their theology. And they looked at Jesus and they thought, this guy is not just... It, not just has he not come to bring life, actually what he's come to bring is really dangerous and we want to get rid of him. How do you know that following Jesus will lead you to live your best life? How do you know that? I, I, I have to say I, I have this uh, unhealthy relationship with certainty. I, I don't know about you. I, I love surprises. I love the exhilaration of not knowing, for example, if I'm on holiday, where we're going to end up. But I'll tell you this. I do want to know that where we end up is going to be a safe place to be. I do, know, I do want to know that what happens isn't going to cause me pain and it isn't going to cause my death. It's, it's like those things where you, know, where you go on those, those rides. Any, anybody enjoy those rides? You know, the big kind of plunging things and twirling things and that kind of thing. I, 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 I know at least one person here loves that kind of thing. There's a thrill about it, isn't there? But, but you get on that ride pretty certain that you will get off. I don't think anybody would ever get on one of those rides if they knew that partway around the whole thing was going to collapse or they were going to be thrown, thrown out of the car. And I have that kind of unhealthy relationship with certainty. I don't mind risk as long as I know that it's going to be all right at the end. Is that just me? Am I a bit weird? I, I probably shouldn't be saying this. Um, but I, I, I remember the, the, the morning after I got married, um, <laughs> um, I'm waking up. And you know sometimes you wake up and... And, and you kind of, something's happened, and, and you don't really think it's happened <laughs> until gradually it dawns on you. It has happened. <laughs> and so I, I woke up on my wedding morning, and um, the, 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 the morning after our wedding, and uh, there's this strange woman in bed next to me. And, and I, I suddenly thought, it's true. <laughs> I'm married. <laughs> I can't get out of this. <laughs> this is... I have to say, that was one of the scariest moments of my life. Because uh, you see, the thing is, in marriage, it's supposed to be for life. You are committing yourself to another person. And okay, you may not be as dysfunctional as I was and, and so on. But there are all kinds of things we don't know about the other person. We don't know what the future will hold. We don't know how things are going to be in five, ten years' time. You remember the words of the marriage service, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health. See, I, I, I have this, this unhealthy relationship with certainty, annoying. I love exhilaration, but at the end of the day, I want to know it's all going to turn out right. And let me tell you, you can't do that when it comes to Jesus. You can't do that. 
See, we can never be absolutely certain. We can never know beyond doubt. Let me tell you why. Because you can never know enough. Is following Jesus the way that leads to life to the full? You will never have enough knowledge to know with absolute certainty that that's true. Because you can never know enough. Sometimes I will say to people, you know, I have this imaginary black box and it sits about there. And in that black box are all the questions I don't know the answers to. And sometimes, I have to tell you, some of those questions get to me. It's not just that they're intellectual questions. They're questions that profoundly affect me. And so if you're looking for certainty before you commit your life to Jesus Christ, you'll never do it. Because you'll never know enough to be able to make that decision. And in fact, if you look for certainty and knowing, we're not very good at being able to decide things anyway. We're not good at choosing what's good and what's bad for us. Here's the thing. It's not, at the end of the day, about certainty and about how much you know. This is the key verse I want to bring to you. It's a really extraordinary verse in verse 17 of John 7. Jesus says this, in the midst of people who are trying to kill him, in the midst of people who've walked away from him, in the midst of people who don't believe in him, they're not willing to trust him. Jesus says this, anyone who chooses to do the will of God will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I'm speaking on my own. Just a, a little earlier in John chapter 7, uh, Jesus, um, just a little earlier, um, in, in, in verse 15, the Jews, that's the people at the time, uh, are amazed about him, about what he's teaching. And, and they say, how did this man get such learning without having been taught? That, that's not a question. That's a statement. That's an accusation. That's a derogatory comment. How could this guy possibly say anything about God with any degree of confidence? Who does he think he is? And in the middle of that, Jesus says in verse 17, anyone who chooses to do the will of God will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I'm speaking on my own. In other words, Jesus is saying this. At the end of the day, it's not how much you know, it's what you choose to do. It's about your heart. It's about your will. Nobody knew Jesus better than his brothers. And in chapter 7 and verse 5, it says his brothers didn't believe in him. Can you imagine? They've been brought up with him. They've played soccer with him. They've broken windows when they played cricket. They, they know him better than anybody else. And they don't believe. See, it's not about how much you know. The religious leaders want to kill him, and they're all experts in theology. They've been to theological college. It's not about how much you know. It's about the state of your heart. 
anybody who chooses to do the will of my Father, the will of God. It's about saying, I'm willing to put my trust in Jesus Christ because you see, the will of God is that people say yes to Jesus. The will of God finds its fulfillment in Jesus. His desire for people is that we put our trust in Jesus Christ. Anybody who chooses to do the will of God. It's about what your heart chooses and then it's about acting on it. You do the will of God. What is the will of God? It's to give your life to Jesus Christ. Isn't that nuts? Doesn't that scare those of you like me who like certainty? (laughs) Jesus is saying, you will know that my teaching is from God and is true. And that I have come to bring life to the full when you make a decision to step out and start following me. And then you'll know. But you will not know until you do it. I am... I remember some years ago reading the story of Moses. You know, God calls Moses at the not the burning bush. So Moses is brought up in Egypt, and one day he's had to flee from Egypt because he's murdered an Egyptian. And so 40 years on, there he is. He's just minding his own business, looking after uh, these animals and so on, and he sees something strange. He goes to have a look, and he sees a bush that's burning, but it's not burning, which doesn't make sense. And in Exodus chapter 3, this incident of the not the burning bush, God calls Moses to lead his people out of Egypt. So God's saying to Moses, I want you to go back to the place where you murdered somebody. And I want you to go to Pharaoh. And I want you to bring my people out from Egypt. Now, Again, I don't know about you, but if I was Moses, I would be saying, amongst other things, do you think I could have a bit of certainty here? I I mean, could could there be a bit of an affirmation? Egypt, I'm a wanted man. Egypt, going to the Pharaoh, who's the king. I mean, it's not just some ordinary person. It is the king. And lead the people out. The last time I tried this, when I killed that Egyptian slave master, My people ignored me. In fact, I thought they were going to turn me in, which is why I ran away. I've tried liberation, and it didn't work. Why would it work this time? God, can you just give me some assurance here that this is from you, that it will work? And I love what God says. He says, you will know that I've called you to do this after it's worked. That's what he says. He says, you will know that I called you when you and the people you bring out of Egypt worship me on this mountain. You'll know it's true after it's worked. God's call to follow Jesus Christ And giving our life to Jesus Christ means being willing, in a sense, to take that risk. To step out 
Despite the fact that we have all kinds of questions, many of us, most of us, all of us, all kinds of uncertainties, it means being willing to step out and risk our life by giving it to Jesus Christ. And Jesus says, if you do that, then you'll know that my teaching is from God. You'll know it's worked after it's worked. Jesus came to bring us our best life now. But to experience that means giving our life to Jesus Christ. It means reaching that point which says, no, I don't have all the answers. Yes, I still have all kinds of doubts and uncertainties. And yes, I listen to the challenges of taking up my cross and going the way of the cross, the way of discipleship and following Jesus. But I've decided to trust my life to Jesus Christ. I have decided to take Jesus at his word that he came to bring life and life to the full. He came to release in me, to give to me the life that God intended for me and make that possible. Life to the full. At the end of uh, chapter 7, it's the last day of the feast. This is all set around a festival in Jerusalem. And uh, you just have a look at verse 37. It says, On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood up and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who's thirsty come to me and drink. Now, by the way, he's not talking about having a Diet Coke at that point. This is metaphor. He's talking about people who recognize that they are not living life to the full. That they are living a second, third, fourth grade life. And he says, anyone who's thirsty, come to me and drink. And then he goes on and says, whoever believes in me that is trusting your life to Jesus... Anybody who believes in me, as the scriptures has said, that is, as God has said, so this is true. Rivers of living water will flow from within. You won't be thirsty anymore. In fact, you will overflow with life. What's he talking about? He's talking about the coming of the Spirit. God himself comes into our life by his Spirit and overflows in us. What does it mean to have life and life to the full? It means to have the life of God in us. It means to be filled with the Spirit. It means to have the presence of God in us. And we start to live life to the full. Can you live your best life now? Yes. What is it? to live your best life now. It is to give your life to Jesus Christ and start to follow him. Does that mean that there won't be struggles on the way? Absolutely not. Does it mean to say that you will be freed from any anxiety, any pain, any suffering? Absolutely not. But one day, one day you'll look back and if you like Think of it like this. You'll meet Jesus and imagine him walking you through your life and saying, do you remember that? 
when you were distraught, let me show you what was happening. Let me show you why even then you were living your best life because it's the life that I've given to you and it's the life of the work of the Spirit in you. Do you want to live your best life now? Then it means giving your life to Jesus Christ. Do you want to continue to lead your best life now? We need to keep coming back to Jesus. We need to keep coming back to those words that says, I have come that you might have life and life to the full because our default position will so often be to move away from that. To doubt that following Jesus is the best way for us to live. So wherever you're at tonight, whether you're a person who's perhaps never made that decision to follow Jesus, do it. For those of you who have, just make sure that you're going back to that, that following Jesus, being obedient to him, whatever people around you say, whatever sometimes you may feel, means you are living your best life because it's the life that God has called you to live and it's life to the full. I have come that people might have life and life to the full. Father, let's, um, let's pray. Uh, Father, we, we want to thank you for your word. We want to thank you that your word to us are words of life. They are not death. They are not words that speak of mediocrity. They are words that come to us from you to us because you long for us to live life to the full. Father, I pray tonight for people who may have been teetering on the brink of a decision and uh, maybe holding back because they've been struggling with certainty, wanting to know. Father, please give them the courage to step out. For those of us who are followers of Jesus, maybe some of us have drifted away and we've fallen into patterns of behavior and patterns of thinking about our life that take us away from life and orient us back towards a life of death. A mediocrity and not the life you've called us to leave, live. Father, please awaken in us a new enthusiasm, a new joy, a new faith that says, I believe that Jesus came to bring me life, a life to the full. And that's the life I want to live and to experience in the power of the Spirit. Father, we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.